All right, welcome to the Lawrence Roberts Show, everybody. Um, this episode is entitled Interview with Author Tom Lane, the author of Sacred Mushroom Rituals, The Search for the Blood of Quetzalcoatl, available on Amazon.com. Mr. Lane also has a Facebook group called Sacred Mushroom Rituals and Ceremonies, uh, 2.8 thousand members. It's a private group, but you could request membership on Facebook. So, uh, Mr. Lane, could you tell us uh, a little bit about your book, Sacred Mushroom Rituals, and how you came about to uh, to write it, and um, what you experienced that made you want to write the book? All right, before I go, though, I'd like to say I'm working on my new website, okay. uh, which I'd like to let people know about, which uh, I haven't for a long time, because I'm completing it tomorrow. Oh, absolutely. Go ahead. What's the name? www.solarwolf.org. And since I'm in the solar energy business, you got to watch out for solar companies, but it's www.solarwolf.org, not com, but O-R-G. And nothing in front of Solar Wolf. Just okay, w- guys, so www.solarwolf.org. Uh, org and that is Tom Lane's new website he's starting and um, is it true you're starting a new book an upcoming book as well yeah I've been writing on a book that is a much 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 deeper dig than mm-hmm. my first book the first book I wrote was basically for people who are newbies or just experienced the sacred mushroom or were thinking about it uh huh this book is for, second book is for people, and I, and I sort of the last, my book's 308 pages, so the last 28 pages I get into some of the sacred mushroom rituals of Mesoamerica, the guide, and this book is a much deeper book into healing, uh, holographic galabody traveling. Oh, wow. Yes, I read your first book, um, and you're meeting with Maria Sabina, the famous... Um, uh, woman uh, shaman. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't like to call her a shaman. Uh, uh, I you, think that's really disrespectful to what, the Mexican. What is your term? Uh, well, there, it, there, there's a term uh-huh. that if you're going to use English, yes, I say okay. If you're going to use English, the term is a combination of curandero and sabio. Uh, let me explain a little bit what I mean about this, okay? Yes, please. The, the word pomelin uh, uh-huh. is an ancient word that goes back pre Columbian and into the days of, uh, a- of uh, a- uh, the ancient, sacred mushroom rituals, these were men and women. The ancient. Uh, the ancient original natives of Mexico, correct? Yeah, these were Mixtec. They were, uh, this is Zapotec, this is Toltec. Okay. This is way before the Aztecs. Oh, wow. And these were, these were men and women who were considered sages and diviners. And a tamaline were, were called the people who know things. That was a simple thing. The people who know things. Uh-huh. But the most amazing thing is their metaphysics, their philosophy, which was called the Teo, 
very few people even understand that word or know what it's about. How do you spell it was that? Developed in bee mushroom time. Okay. They were on sacred mushrooms when they developed this metaphysics. And it's sort of like there's only two sort of religions in the world or metaphysics that are anywhere like it. There's nothing from the West. The Tao Te Ching considers everything as one energy source. And what were they consuming? Psilocybin uh, cubensis or uh, Mexicana, presumably? A lot of, a lot of different ones of the, yeah. of the mushroom. Yes. But okay, in this... but anyway, okay. in, in uh, the Mastec language, she would be, she would be known as Kajota Jin. Kajota, that spells C-H-J-O-T-A. So that's, that a, mean, that's a proper term for uh, a shaman woman. Well, that's the Mastec term, and it would mean uh, people of knowledge. Okay. And and she was considered a curandero and a sabio. She's also a midwife, but here's the thing to the difference. A curandero knows how to use sacred mushrooms for healing, sometimes divination, things like that. A sabio or a sabia, which she was a sabia, which is plural. Yes. Uh, and Mexican, she should be called a curandero or, and a sabio better would be a person who's been considered literally taken into creation and shown the book of creation and shown the wisdom of the world. And it's that's a person that's more than just has an affinity with sacred mushrooms and she also used salvia divinorum yes i but, heard about uh, that so how many she, times how many times did you get to meet maria during your trips to mexico well, the I, first I, I, I read you met your wife there yeah yes but how many well, times did you get to meet maria i spent most of two days there oh wow was in a blot at night with her family. That's a good amount of time. Who, uh, uh, was they like a helper, Apollonia, mm-hmm. her daughter and everything. See, in the morning, we went up really, really, really early in the morning. We started climbing the mountain, and it took a long, long time through thunderstorms and rain to finally climb way, way up in the mountains, up in the clouds to her home. Yes. And she agreed to do a ceremony with us, and the other person I was with, there were two others, besides my wife decided to go back and come back that evening. And I asked her, I said, is it okay if I just stay here? Can I stay here in the home and just sit here during the day? And my friends were kind enough, uh, I think, to bring something back. Because it, it gets cold in the mountains at, at night. Oh, yes. For, uh, I, could, I can imagine, yes. And during the day and observing her and being in the house and it was amazing because these houses don't have windows they're strong this is the 70s before technology got Modern the wall technology. did she speak any English? none none was her she didn't speak she, she didn't speak any Spanish so, so it was native uh, native um, tongue that's very interesting. She only, she only spoke Maztec, but she had a uh, some of her children could speak Spanish. So and, the other thing, and, uh, you wrote this book 
years later uh, while hiking in the Appalachian Trail in 2016. These events occurred in the 1970s. And then what made you in 2016 want to or decide to write this book finally after all those years? Well, there was basically two or three reasons. Uh, One was some of the people, especially in the Sierra Madres del Pacifico, the Zapotec Indians, and some of the uh, Corderos I've been over there, we went deep into very, very, very deep sacred knowledge and ceremonies. And I didn't want those people bothered like they were involvement. Uh, let me give you a little short history, okay? Okay. Go ahead. Um, I'd love to hear. Our Gordon Watson and his wife, Valentina, read this letter after their first book from this uh, missionary who said these Indians uh, say that we're Christ's blood fell, that these sacred mushrooms grew and they were using them because they had no doctors or medical clinics literally for 50 to 60 miles there was nothing oh and God. so that's a long Watson way. goes down there in the early 50s and he meets with some people but it takes him about a year or so before they'll take him to see Maria Sabina because she's considered and our Gordon Watson was the first American to experience the magic mushroom trip. Is that correct, or am I wrong on that? He was the first one From to a, actually participate in Ethan before World War II. That there had been uh, Johnson and another person that had witnessed a, a ceremony, and there had been uh, Richard Schultes. Uh-huh. had collected mushrooms, but he he was the first one to record these ceremonies, which at that time, the scientific world outside of Mexico, not Mexico, but the scientific world outside of Mexico uh-huh. said it was all phony. It was just tried peyote and the, uh-huh. and the Spanish were fooled. Of course, there were a few Mexican scholars and, and people that knew that that wasn't true, and so... When he wrote his famous Life magazine article that came out, I think in '55 or '57. Yes, I've read. I've read that. Yes, that was a great it article. Didn't, it didn't tell where she was. Yeah. And it didn't give her a correct name. I think it used Eva Mendez. And of his original books, which were published the same as the books from the Vatican, it used the same paper. There are only 512 copies ever made called Russia Mushrooms in History. Huh. I've, I've never heard of that book. Interesting. Well, it's online. Yeah. You can see it online now. It's to buy a copy of it probably cost you two to three thousand dollars. Oh my God. The pictures of those books were actually of the five hundred real photographs that were pasted in. Uh, some of the books he sent me later, like his last book, when he does the first edition, it's very special paper from the Vatican. There's rice paper. Between certain pages, and the and the photography is actually a picture that's put there in the book. It's not printed with the book. Okay. So, so again, guys, are, if you're just tuning in, this is a Lawrence Roberts show. We're here with famous ethno mycologist author Tom Lane. He is the author of the book Sacred Mushroom Rituals: The Search for the Blood of Quetzalcoatl. is available on Amazon.com. Uh, get your copy today. Uh, Mr. Lane also runs his Facebook group, Sacred Mushroom Rituals and Ceremonies. 
with 2.8 thousand members. It's a private group, but of course you can request to join and at Mr. Lane's discretion, he will add you. Um, Mr. Lane, I had a question about the Huaquals, uh, the original natives of Northern Mexico, apparently being the only citizens of Mexico that have legal access to peyote for their sacrament. Do you know if this is true? The Huaquals mean H-U-I-C-H-O-L-S. Uh, That's not the way you say it. Oh, how do you pronounce it? Wechols. Wechols. Okay. But is that true about uh, they are allowed to have it for sacrament and only them? Well, I'm not sure about everything there, um, but I do know they've had it for ages and ages and ages, going back way into history. Uh, Probably thousands you know, of years. I've visited them before in one of their shamans in San Andres, Bacohan, and here's the thing you have to remember about them. Yeah. They don't have, per se, a city. They don't, if you if you ever go in Grand Canyon country and you sit on a ledge in the Grand Canyon somewhere like I did when I was at, their, at this place, mm -hmm. you look out and you just see way, way in the distance and you don't see anything. Then all of a sudden you notice a, a ranchero made out of natural wood and and a so grass road are they kind of like are they kind of like nomadic in a sense no, no they just live way isolated from each other okay and then on certain sacred days they come into these spots like for instance there's a a, a city called san luis potosi and there's a canyon in that area called real catorsi and they take a sacred pilgrimage to find the sacred mushroom i mean the peyote there and they all take it uh, and it's amazing if you go with them because they'll all turn and shoot an arrow into the same button at the same time now they share this peyote button every member but then they come back to their special places like uh san andreas from Pihon, uh -huh. and they have a sacred ceremony there at night where they're in uh they're our Spanish should be uh, their language is called Mara Akami Mara who is Dominic conducts the ceremony there so peyote is like the religious sacrament then they don't take it just to get uh, you know altered effects That it, it is a religious sacrament yeah and, it, and it's sort of weird about all the lies and baloney about Carl's Castaneda because part of their whole religion it's about how the sacred deer and grandfather and grandmother related to peyote uh, that uh, saved them from the Docturus. Like, they consider the Doctora, the Jimson weed, an evil, bad trickster. Hmm. And very bad and very bad thing to do. And the peyote banished... Uh, the Docturus to the far canyons and reaches and was the enemy okay. of the Wicoli and this uh, Wicurka I'm sure I'm not pronouncing it right uh, was that, was their sacred place where they go to hunt like if you think of the Garden of Eden right? Yes. Okay nobody sort of knows where it all is now there the people claim you know you take the sacred mushroom you can go to the Tree of Life and Garden of Eden but yeah, they we are the only people that really actually go to their Garden of Eden. It's the physical place on Earth, uh, Riel Catorsi, where they get this mushroom and they come back. 
And that's fascinating. And they have a type of ceremony I'd like to explain a little bit. Everybody takes the peyote and they sit around a fire, and their their makabara uh, is the only one that's allowed to say the name of their god. Uh, sort of like in the ancient Hebrew. Uh, the word for God actually meant breath, and everybody knew what it meant, but only the okay. head rabbi whatever was able to say it. Well, yeah. anyway, in the yeah. ceremony, uh, everybody gets and ties a twine or something like that. I'm just going to give a little part of this. I've written about a ceremony like this in my book. Okay. But say one guy will say, I had sex with your wife, a neighbor, say, five miles over, and I ha- came over and I had sex with her. And he ties his twine and throws it in the fire. And the next guy say, "Well, I stole some chickens from your house." And another person say, "Well, I so it's kind of like their confession, stuff. like a Catholic confession would be in their religion. That would be like their confession." So, right. And, and and when they do that, they're tying this knot and throwing it into the fire. Yes. It's almost like sometimes you can hear a scream as as the smoke goes up. There's a sacred mushroom ceremony like that too. There are ceremonies for individuals and poor, sort of like groups. I know anyone. when you do sacred mushrooms, you uh, let them dissolve under your tongue with honey and it gets absorbed sublingually. Is that true? Well, Is well that... I, let, me, let me back up and... I'm sorry, yes, stop. I didn't mean uh, to rush you. Go ahead. Well, you weren't. Uh, I just don't like to just jump right into it. I like to give a little bit... What I like to do is fast the day before like a uh, water fast. Yes. And, and I, I uh, agree with that. meditation, and uh, I, sometimes I'm with people, sometimes I'm alone, but even with them people, I'll typically go out onto a desert uh, plateau or somewhere in the forest alone and try to do some discernment about what I'm doing. Okay. Now, the, the, that day around noon or whatever, uh, we'll take raw cacao beans that have just been ground. What is that, chocolate? Uh, is that what they make chocolate? Uh, no, it's, these are beans you can buy on the internet. You can buy them from Amazon everywhere, but they're the raw cacao beans out of the cacao pot. Wow. And they've got the neurotransmitters in them that when they make chocolate, and what the English spells C-O-C-O-A, is it spells C-A-C-A-O of the raw beans. And these raw beans are ground up. Uh, typically, you keep them in a freezer, so when you grind them, because you want them to be cold. Here, here's the thing: the Dutch process puts them under intense heat and pressure, adds alkaloids, yeah. puts sugars and stuff. And there's two or three neurotransmitters. One of them called PEA, which is creates bliss. Now, the legends were the Quetzalcoatl, the man king of the Toltecs, uh-huh. gave cacao to the. Uh, people for two reasons. One, for young lovers that were swept up by each other's sensuality to take, and when they yeah, take them... Like an aphrodisiac or something. This so to chemical there called PA is like, say, when you meet the person you're in love with and you're head over hills and you think they're an angel and everything's perfect about them. Yes. And then later you come down to earth and realize they have feet of stone, you know, they weren't floating and it creates this sort of emotion. So the, the idea with this for the sacred ceremony of the deified heart or some of these ceremonies was to create uh, a really 
peaceful, blissful feeling that you're drinking this about 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock or sometime, and you're drinking a lot of it as much as you want. In the afternoon? Chocolate. chocolate. Some people put a little honey in it. You're doing it just like you do coffee from the grounds, but yeah. some people put a little honey, some people put a touch of vanilla. Okay, so that gets you in a really good, peaceful, blissful feeling because you don't ever... You know, for God's sake, do a sacred mushroom when you're on a bummer, right? Oh, absolutely not. Set and setting is everything and how you feel. You don't want to take uh, any kind of psilocybe mushroom uh, if you're not feeling good. It amplifies however you're feeling to start with, I've noticed. Well, yeah, it's sort of like going in the right direction. You, you, you know, that's why I like to be out in the wilderness. If possible, I like to have all sin no synthetics around me or from our room, all the electrical circuits are off, but one of the things we do is we bring live living mushrooms we've dug up actually in the dirt in families and straw baskets into the room yeah. or sometimes uh, collect cow patties like in Florida and bring in cow patties with the philosophy cabinsis going from them. If you're a grower, you can bring in the mushrooms you've been growing, even better yet, you know. Sometimes the ones that I brought in in cow patties or in the dirt, I've sat around for a day or so before, like, meditating with them, you know, a little, or maybe adding some water just a little bit to the cow patty. And then what happens is when you start the sacred ceremony and realize all you've had is cacao, Usually, I and the people with it, we start singing and doing poems or something in our... I wouldn't recommend any instruments unless maybe if you had a natural wooden flute, nothing instruments, but... No, like acoustic guitar or anything like that? No, it, uh, just things like maybe a flute or just singing poetry. Uh -huh. Doesn't matter how good or bad you are, it's just something in your heart. What you're doing is you're thanking the sacred flowers of the blood. Yes. Coming into your blood and you're going to become a party, part of them. Now when you take this, uh, after that, the amazing thing, and people have seen this, and I'm talking about not on any type of thing, uh, drug or anything, that the mushrooms will start dancing. And what I mean by dancing, they're not like moving around like a person would on a ballroom floor. It's like, like their stripes are moving up and down. They're not literally, not literally, you mean literally, like figure, figuratively, not li literally. I mean, they're really moving. Oh, okay. Wow. They're really, the, the stripes are moving up and down. So when does the they, point come when you do them sublingually? Well, it's right after that, after you're through dancing and everything, and usually I place four beeswax candles to represent the four directions. And some people will blow a conch horn because Quetzalcoatl used to carry a slit conch thing around his neck. Now, remember, Quetzalcoatl is the female male diamond rainbow serpent. So yes. what happened? I read your entire book. She has. Okay. Yeah. Well. And I, re I recommend everyone listening get the book. It's it's a, a little over 300 pages, but I read that book in three or four days. It was such an interesting read. So again, Amazon.com, Sacred Mushroom Rituals, the search for the blood of Quetzalcoatl. But go ahead.
from land. Okay, so then what happens is you pick the two mushrooms at a time. Uh -huh. This represents male and female, and sometimes you look for one, if possible, that looks like a female uterus, sort of, and or the way it's folded for a male penis. It, it's not really important, but it's important to pick two at a time. Okay. And then you have honey out, which is local honey. Now, the Aztecs and Mayans had a bee, a, a, not a bee, a black wasp. It was a black stingless wasp that still exists in Mexico, and it's also in Cuba that makes made the honey. But you can use American or the African honeybee because it's the same thing. It's like honey's honey. Honeybee, yeah, honeybee honey. or I like organic honey that's been filtered. Yeah. The local honey, you know, whatever. I like to get it from local people. But anyway, you dip the mushrooms in there and you eat two at a time. And you chew and you chew and you chew and you chew and you don't swallow. Okay. And well, see, when you swallow, there's two things. One, especially dried mushrooms or tea that you might piss out. It's going to the small intestines. Now, in the small intestines, it gets filtered before it goes to the large intestines to leave your body. Ah, but under your tongue sublingually, it goes straight to your blood system, your bloodstream, correct? Yeah, well, also after your small intestine, it then goes to the liver, and it gets filtered again by the liver before it goes to the bloodstream. Okay, so that bypasses all that. Well, in your mouth, yes. when you chew something, you could do it even with, with meat or something. You could keep chewing and chewing until it's all gone, but... The, the mushroom is basically living live mushroom that you put in your mouth and the saliva and the honey, the combination of the two, mm -hmm. change the carbohydrate to pure alkaloids and a maltose, which becomes a glucose. Really? Yeah. That is, that is very interesting. Hey, uh, one, so one, glucose. Uh, okay, go ahead. This is a glucose blood transfusion across the blood barrier directly with no filtering. Now, you know your tongue? Yes. The gums, all your gums. They're very vascular. And the roof of your mouth. Mm -hmm. That leads directly to the bloodstream, straight through the bloodstream, to the spine and your neck and then to your brain. So it's going two ways, through the bloodstream to the spine and the brain. Okay, I see. So it's bypassing the liver, it's bypassing the small intestine, and it's going straight through your vascular, your veins, under your tongue, roof of your mouth, and into your your brain and stuff, and you're getting a, a more fuller effect, right? Well, this is called the sacred mushroom ritual of the deified heart, and it was recorded about the honey and the, and the using of chocolate, but the inside of your cheeks, like, if you take your tongue, mm -hmm. you, you can feel the inside of your cheeks, which is also, you know, if you pinch your cheeks on the other side, the inside of your cheeks, that goes directly to the ventral aorta of the heart. Oh, wow. So it's going directly to the ventral aorta of the heart. So do, the you ever, do you ever swallow the mushrooms after, or do you spit them out? I never spit them out. Uh, that would be sort of... A waste. Yeah, I would eat them too. Uh, I agree. I don't waste anything. I was just wondering your opinion on that. And what are your well, opinions on terrorism? You just keep eating. There's no limit. Okay. 
no such thing as a limit. You just keep eating. And at the onset, then you're going to swallow. But here's what happens at the onset. Your flesh actually starts dissolving. You can feel your flesh dissolving. And then you're, you, you feel like you're a skeleton. Hmm. Skeleton starts dissolving. And you're almost like it's your left with your brain skull and your teeth. And all of a sudden, you can feel that dissolving, that that's going away, that you can't even feel. And of course, I'm swallowed by then if any was left. But is that, a, is that a pleasant experience, or is it? Oh, yeah. Okay. It's really, really pleasant if you're ready for it, because it's like you're going into a pure state. And then what happens is it's like you start to come back, and it's pretty quick that you feel your body, but the most amazing thing and I'm going to go as a description of this. Mm. Your spine starts to move, and, and you feel like your spine is a uh, snake swimming in your back. It, you know what the word serpentine means? Um, like a snake? The way yeah, S-shape. It means you're moving in an S-shape pattern. Yes, correct. And, and you can feel sheer power. I mean, real, real healing power of life, and it's just unbelievable. You feel this power. I must, I must try this method. Spine, and you feel your whole spine and your body being healed. It's like you're feeling like you're having your bodies being resurrected and being healed, and everything that was hosted from the past is being cast out. But and saying that, all of a sudden, in this ceremony, uh, see the the man Oltak King, who was called. Quattle Tolson taught these and learned these ceremonies. When he left the Toltec, that he had taught these to other tribes because he said they were for everybody. The Toltecs were upset that he was given this knowledge to the other tribes, but he said this knowledge is some creation for everybody. For everybody. Well, anyway, the legend of what this, some people say it's the Naga, like the Talfuda. I don't know, but this uh, rainbow. Female male dragon, the serpent. When you see the serpent, it's like uh, about human height, and uh, it's made of hundreds and hundreds of diamonds. Wow. And the Quetzal head of the dragon is like, it's a female head which has what's called the all seeing eye. The all seeing eye of the, of the female, but the uh, Dragon Quetzalcoatl is from the blood of this rainbow plumed serpent whose blood fell to the earth from the penis of this male female uh, energy force. So that's, uh, that's, 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 that's where the mushrooms were born from the penis blood of, of, of uh, Quetzalcoatl. And so when this dragon comes, it comes sort of like through a blue portal at first. It's just like, and then you see the dragon and female, male ascending, descending. All these light forces are in there, like overcoming death, it seems, at the moment. And uh, thousands and thousands of rainbow colors are shooting out everywhere from the facets of these, of this jeweled serpent. And what happens, I've been in some ceremonies, like I was in one in Utah in the desert, 
where a guy had been in a motorcycle accident and pretty banged up and oh Quetzalcoatl just came and swallowed him like a rabbit going through he came out healed in other situations if they're healed there with a somebody to be healed Quetzalcoatl will swallow them both but people that are conducting the ceremony and the followers uh, typically will be there with their bare feet or with just some sort of uh, woven sandal or something. And, and they are protected? Well, they'll get up and walk into Quetzalcoatl. Oh. And then when you walk into Quetzalcoatl, uh, everything turns to white light. Wow. And the most amazing thing is people there that see these people, even if you have a, somebody there to help that's not on anything, not even has smoked a joint or anything, which I never do when I'm doing this, but... Uh, They'll see the eyes of the person, and it looks like there's headlights between the eyes. There's so much uh, a light coming out, and literally you're having physical light admitted from the body, but the most amazing thing is that the, the ancient saying was your soul life now will be implanted on your face. And this is a great healing and mental uh, ceremony where your body's literally welling up because it's a it's a combination ceremony of a physical rebirth in a mental and spiritual, and, correct? Uh, yeah. Well, it's more resurrection and that's and a rebirth in that way. Okay, before now, we run out of time, I wanted to get into your thoughts of uh, Terrence and Dennis McKenna and what you think about their the books they wrote and their, their philosophy on magic mushrooms, um, uh, particular, particularly uh, Terrence. Well, I've met Dennis. I've never met uh, Terrence. When I met Dennis, the one thing I talked about him, he and Terrence had never had a Corridero or a Sabio or anybody that ever taught it. They was all self-learned. Yes. I first start off to say I have nothing bad whatsoever to say about Terrence. I, I poked him and I said, you know, make an analogy. Uh, if, uh, uh, say, a, say an indigenous person that had never seen civilization finds a jet plane on a runway, uh -huh. can they get in and apply it? Do they know what to do? Uh, no. And a pilot there, right? Somebody with pilot training? Well, Terrence and everything he learned, he learned because of his inherent wisdom and knowledge. But I have, I love his uh, videos and his podcast, but I have two, two, sort of what you say, basic ar arguments against Terrence and Denim. Okay, I'd like to hear them. Number one, I don't believe people should take the mushroom festival the first couple of times in silent darkness. I think that's crazy. Yes, that's what he teaches. Um, I did it alone the first time, and that and the reason was um, t it was Terrence McKenna's suggestion to be in a dark room, have a couple joints ready, and to just let your body go and be overcome by the mushrooms and let them con take control of you. Um, so you disagree with that? No, absolutely, because there's avatars and there's... Uh, beings that exist in this world and if you take it during the day 
in the wilderness. Like, let's say you go somewhere to a national park, yes. or Forest Service wilderness area, or you go on somebody's farm, or you get in the garden, where you're away from at least hearing cars running around, oh. and you're outside in nature, especially if it's a light rainy day or somewhat, uh, the, the nicotinating membrane on your eyes pull back, oh. and the pressure on the back of your eye is released, and your pupils can, can expand in and out. And there's these spirits and plants that you can actually see and communicate with. And sometimes even a vine or plant will wrap itself around your arm. But uh, the, the most amazing thing is you have to understand the took. And it, when you're talking to these, uh, what I'd say, modern-day panificators on mushrooms, if they don't know, the, to them, there was everything was three sorts of energy forces. Everything existed and came from one source. And there was Olin, which was sort of a bouncing, uh, oscillating sort of energy. Okay. And then there was uh, Maleni, which was a spiraling, twisting sort of energy forms in different colors. And then there's Maleni, uh, Napapa, which is a weaving form of energy, which comes in communication between people and plants and this type of animistic communication it's is not I like to call it groping. Do you know what the word grope means? The word what? Grope. G-R-O-K. B-R-O-K? G. G like in... Oh no, groke. I am not familiar with that term, no. Well, it's a word actually in the English language, but it comes from a Robert Highland science fiction story. I think a stranger in a strange land. Uh, but it was how sometimes you can get something without verbal communication. You know, you yes, just click believe, on it and get it. I believe that. Okay. Well, uh, there's a type of these energy forms that are passing between, say, a dog and yourself or an animal or yourself but a crow or yourself in between plants and trees and everything. So how does this relate to um, to doing the trip by yourself in the dark? Um, uh, well, you're not going to see any of this stuff. You're not going to see that these all these plants there. It's it's like you're in the Garden of Eden. I've been out sometimes in a day and actually seen a whole tree, the tree of life, rise up out of the ground. So you you're going to you're going to miss a lot of the beneficial aspects of the trip by just sitting in a dark room. Yeah, I like to call it a vieja or a balada. The, the image is the word balada, and vieja is more like a journey. Uh-huh. But it's, you can actually see these living plant spirits. You can, and, for instance, if a crow flies or at a certain moment or makes a sound or there's a limb hit the ground, this type of synchronicity during the day is really triggering to sort of what you're thinking. But here's the most the important thing for people to understand. The sacred part of this thing has to do with the 40,000 neurons in your heart because you have hyper, hyper aware conscious mind. Now, your hyper aware conscious mind is way above the level of attention. It's almost like an athlete that's playing a sport that's done it a million times. 
Yes, I can understand that analogy, yeah. Okay, and then you have your unconscious mind, which is made of your subconscious and your unconscious. Part of it comes from your DNA before you were born and willed into existence. And the other part comes from uh, everything that's happened to you since you were a child. And all that shit's hosted and embedded in your physical body. Well, that what forms is the sacred triangle forms. And when the sacred triangle forms, here's what happens. Your body and your heart are pulsating with the flowers of the blood in them, right? Yes. And you're breathing. And you need to, all you do is deep breathing. Now, the, here's the most incredible thing about this that makes all the weirdness. It's very simple. It ties everything together. Well, let me explain how it ties everything together. Your body is simply like a little child. It wants to feel good. Now, you've gone to different time space, and if you look at these ancient codexes and, and stellas, they'll show you that they have different terminology for the time time and space. It's called the mushroom time space. When you're in that, there's it's a different type of time. It's sort of like a time that a child exists in. If when you were five or six years old, you weren't really thinking about the past or the future. Yes, you were just in the present moment, basically. And all you didn't want to do is feel good. It's just like, I'm going to make a weird analogy. It's like you have a dog. He wants your hugs and your and, uh, good vibration. He doesn't want to get hit with a stick, right? Yes, of course Well, not. people have been hitting it with themselves with their stick subconsciously are sharing these memories. And all of a sudden, your body is going to tell your mind and your and your conscious how to get rid of them. In other words, you know, your thoughts, everything that's in your mind is not like self-ownership. It's like a channel that you've been listening to. And maybe it's horrible, just horrible music you've been listening to. Maybe it's racist. Maybe it's hatred for something. Yeah. Maybe it's something from the past, you know, and what it's, this is doing your physical body. It's negative, though, obviously. Yeah, but your physical body is telling you how to get rid of it and let go of it. It's showing you how to change the channel. I mean, you can change the past, but you can get rid of what you're hosting in your physical body in, in the past. And it's like these 40,000 neurons in your heart are using your breathing as you breathe up and down to slowly stop it at certain places on your spine for just a few seconds. Like, as you take the deepest breath you can like all the way to your stomach and you start back up slowly letting it out and stop it somewhere stop it up and down uh-huh. and you're breathing and getting all this what I call the angels of the air yes in blood that you can actually see a lot of these angels during the day you can see these spirits in this other world this is a this is a parallel world and you can actually see these things yes I've never and, experienced anything like that I've had um spiritual trips but I've never crossed over. I've never had anything experienced like that. But um, I have done five MEO DMT, which was the strongest trip I've ever had. But real quick, before we run out of time, I'd like, I founded your group, a quote by Terrence McKenna I wanted to read to you and our audience. He says, somehow the changing of consciousness is deemed to be threatening to the state. Now, why is that? Is the state somehow playing a shell game that would be exposed if people were to actually open their eyes? In what way does 
the expansion of consciousness threaten industrial democracies. I believe we need real answers to this. Terence McKenna and the quote uh, does not have a year on it, but I found that in your group this morning. I did research before our interview and I found, I think it's one of my favorite quotes of his because it's, um, it's very, uh, you know, um, something to think about. And there was another one too, I'm not going to read, but, uh, your group well, is very, it, it, donates, it donates a lot to the, the community, our community on Facebook and, uh, you, your book, are you, are you writing another book? We should yeah. talk about that. What is the name? Do you have a title? The Sacred Mushroom Ceremony, the Deified Heart. It's more of a sacred ceremony about these different sacred, like the disembodied eye, yes. the fire, the different types of ones, but the much, much deeper one than uh, my original book for people who are uh, guides or shaman or into healing. Uh, ast- not astral traveling, but holographic, out-of-body traveling and divination. And, and when, when will this book be uh, released uh, around? Maybe sometime between 2022 and 2024. On Amazon? I'm not sure yet. It might be. Okay, well, we'll have you back on the show and we'll promote that. I, I want to thank you, Tom Lane, for coming I on. Like to, I would like to make a comment about what Terrence is talking about. Yes. Please do. Okay, we live in a time of capital realism where nobody can see any alternative to capitalism like it's the end of time. I agree. I call the second cult uh, the desert of the real. Now, the only analogies I would make is a lot of times when people talk about something, they're using a new language or something. But if you go back to the... uh, Plato's Analogy of the Cave. I, I suggest anybody look up Plato and Plato's Analogy of the Cave. Okay. I will do so. It's essentially the same thing in the Matrix, the first Matrix that, uh, you know, Keanu Reeves. Keanu, Keanu Reeves, you mean the movie with Keanu Reeves? Yeah. Yes, that was a great movie, yes. It's the concept of the Matrix that Basically, what happens is, uh, and this is why I don't like psychotherapy and the, the academia world. They, it's fine for them to do what they do. Go ahead, but they create a certain narrative, and this narrative comes out of the academic approval from the government and from the and from the media, which I call the spectacle. So you're saying and, you're against therapeutic uses of psychedelics like say ketamine or therapeutic uses for trauma PTSD no, no, in a th- therapeutic I just, setting? I didn't that. I, I'm, just, I'm just saying that's all fine and good. I have no problem with it. Okay. But I'm in the direction of this as an ancient sacrament. Yes. It's a, a sacred and to me the narrative of the academic university world to buy their groceries they can't acknowledge the sacred. You know, I, for instance, let me just do this. If you're laying down on a couch, under uh-huh. zone, with somebody holding your hand, giving you a pill, not an entourage of drugs, inside of a room, 
uh, with four square walls that's all synthetic, and you're listening to classical music, versus I'll take you into the middle of the woods and give you uh, sacred mushrooms, and sometimes with an entourage, there may be certain things I'll rub on your knee, or on your arms, uh, like dirt, or... But it's a more natural experience. Yeah, and you're going to be out in the world, and you're going to see the spirituality of the world. You're going to see that the other dwelling creatures are alive, that these plants, these trees, the living earth, and they're going to communicate, and they're going to talk to you. And then all of a sudden, through, you're going through to... The mushroom, through the sacrament of the mushrooms. Without them, it's, it's, it's hard to hear what they have to say. You know? Well, you can, I'll put it this way to somebody. There's a canyon on the other side. The people that especially take the sacred mushroom, depending on how they take it at night or in the day, you know, they're on the other side, and if and they can see back into the other world. But you can't, you can't. Uh, people over there on the other side can't really see. They can hear about it. They can read about it. But, but they, they can't, can't really see. They really don't know what's going on except. And they can't, they can't participate either if they're all the way across. Well, but even more important, see, the ancient Tamilin and everything realized that living on this earth was a slippery process. Uh-huh. That all is to gain balance on the earth. Now, you know what a metronome is, right? Um, I've heard of the term, but you would have to refresh my memory. Well, it's, it's like for musical instruments to keep time. It, it's, it looks like a sort of a pyramid with a thing that goes back oh, and yes. forth. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about, yes. Well, see, the ancients considered male, female the same thing. Life, death, the same thing. Everything was was becoming, uh, being, and, and unbecoming at the same time. Yeah. Generating. It's, all these are forms of energy. Yes. None of them they thought of as, like the Romans, the Greeks, the Hebrews, the Tibetans, the Egyptians, the Buddhists. Uh, the Greeks, the Christians, the Hebrews, everything were sort of energy avatars. That's why if you start to study, it'll blow your mind. How come Quetzalcoatl can become his sister, can become his grandmother? All these are these different energy flow, and that's what you're going to learn about. Now, the idea was that they called this thing the smoking mirror, which maybe someday we'll talk about more, but when you come, but when you're in this world, when you're not the mushroom, yes. You need to learn the lessons from that world to this world. And see, that's why integration is important and why it's uh, important to have the second day after a really intense ceremony to, to try to integrate it and think about it because... And recall what you went through and kind of imply it to your, your life as you move on. That's what I do. When, you know, when I have a psychedelic experience, the next day I uh, try to imply... To, to try to use it as I move on in my life, to use what I learned in that trip to uh, benefit my life. And Yeah, and that's why I say it's important, and I know a lot of people might disagree with me on this, uh, to become what I call a great woman or great man. And what I mean by that, when you go back into the space, 
spectacle of the desert of the real. I call it the spectacle of the desert of the real as opposed to the real. You're living in what's called a simulation or simulacrum reality. Yes, a lot of people think that Elon Musk thinks we're living in a simulation. Actually, the 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 guy that uh, the the guy that invented the Tesla electric cars, he actually stated he believes that humans are most likely living in a simulation um, of some well, kind. I, I don't I don't agree with him like that. It's basically that we've got six medias and we've got all these government agencies and all these people that are telling the narrative. You know, uh, and. You know, they're telling you the narrative of what you should believe and how you act and what reality is. And I mean, once you can see that you can communicate with a tree, that you can communicate with a deer, that you're part of it, then you don't see yourself in the center with all these things in stock. Heidegger talked about this. He was a German philosopher that was brilliant. And don't try to read any of his stuff. Just go on YouTube and look for people to explain to you. But he says there's an essence in technology itself. What we do by using it, and he's not against people using technology, but the technological person sees everything for, as stopped. You know. Yes. And, and you know what uh, I'm concerned about is, is AI, artificial intelligence, becoming too intelligent, and it it doesn't have the empathy and the uh, emotional aspect to deal with decisions that might have to be made. I'm very concerned about uh, artificial intelligence going into the 2020s. But um, uh, this episode, unfortunately, is coming to a close. So, Mr. Lane, I I thank you so much for coming on. Uh, um, Please go to Amazon, uh, buy Mr. Lane's book, Sacred Mushroom Rituals, The Search for the Blood of Quetzalcoatl. And he will have a new book out um, in 2021, 2022. Um, He also has a Facebook group, Sacred Mushroom Rituals and Ceremonies, which you can join by request. And as always, this is the Lawrence Roberts Show uh, from the Psychedelic Society and Theogenics Group. Um, I thank you all. Peace and love. Thank you, Tom Lane. And we'll have you on again on the show again. Sure. I'd just like to make one last uh, comment to you, and I'd be happy to come on an- another time. Thank you. If you have read my book, uh, please give it a review on Amazon. Uh, Absolutely. Money or big network to pay a lot of people, but the more people that give reviews and honest reviews of what they feel, I think it helps people determine because there's three ways you can get it. The book is pretty expensive, $58.50, yeah, including it, shipping. It's worth it. It's a well, you can get Kindle for nine ninety nine, and if you're on there, I don't know, there's something where you can read for free. It's you can just read pages. Oh, or yes, I know all about it. Go to Kindle and download Sacred Mushroom Rituals, and uh, I'm sure it's cheaper. So um, Google well, it and I, find uh, out your options about purchasing this book. Uh, I sort of, by knowing R. Gordon Watson and visiting with him, I got into the philosophy of my first book about really making it good and, and doing everything I could with lots of color pictures, a large size, eight and a half by 11. Uh-huh. And I spent a lot of money on it. I, and, and that's what made the book expensive. Uh, you sent uh, me a free poster of your book, which I have hanging up in my office. And I know that stuff's not cheap to produce. So that's why we're going to do everything to promote. Promote uh, in my group. I constantly promote your book. 
I support your group as you support mine. You're a moderator in my group. So we will support each other. Facebook is going through a really hard time right now with government regulation. Our groups are under attack. So we must stick together and and be strong as a community. I'd like to comment about that. Yes, go ahead. Three minutes. All the technology you're holding in your hand, your phone, your computer, all of this stuff that Facebook and, and Google is using came out of the military. It's all military that uh, was developed. Oh, yeah, designed, yes. It used to be classified and everything, yes. So. And these people are controlled to a great extent, and you just have to be careful now. That's what I talk about being a great... The gray man, yes, gray blending in. Part. Don't draw attention to yourself. Don't do something that would... Uh, Say, look at me, look at me. Uh, exactly. When that, I talk about a man and a That was one of the I'll, greatest things you ever taught me was to blend in, be subtle. So um, I'm actually changing the name of my group uh, from the Psychedelic Society to the Society on December 28th. And my cover photo is more subtle, so the Facebook algorithms don't pick up on it being a drug-based group, which... Uh, psychedelics, I really don't consider to be drugs, but uh, some are, but whatever. Well, the basic thing is, long as don't ever allow anything to have it be sold, or, you know, you can give information. Like, a lot of times, I don't even post videos. I just post the pictures of the videos so on YouTube or somewhere where somebody can go and try to download them. Yes. Or uh, publish information. And I'm uh, not... Uh, 60 seconds, Tom Lane, before uh, the, the episode has to be up. Anything else you'd like to say? Well, I just have a wonderful Christmas and, oh, um, you too. and blessings on everybody. I'd love to and, have you back on the show in a few weeks. And um, you could be a frequent guest and we will support each other's groups. And um, thank you, Tom Lane, for coming on. Please, everyone, go to Amazon or Kindle. Buy his book, Sacred Mushroom Rituals. Join his group on Facebook. Sacred Mushroom Rituals and Ceremonies, 2.8 thousand members. And remember, as always, the Psychedelic Society Entheogenics Organization Group. Um, we have 2.5 thousand members and growing. Um, this is the Lawrence Roberts Show. Peace and love. Signing out. Thank you, Mr. Lane.